so in years past i know some of us would it was just the fourth of july and we would think of it in terms of sometimes a pang of imagining that there was some fabulous gathering elsewhere and we'd feel this bit of missing out and uh, I can honestly say I don't have that this year. And so welcome, everybody. So, by a great coincidence, um, I have a friend here from Concord, um, and I wanted to speak, I felt very strongly, to address, first of all, speaking just for myself. Um, yesterday, during the day, at a certain point, I felt the most piercing loneliness. Even though I wasn't completely alone. And then I realized that I wasn't lonely. I was grieving. I was feeling grief, and I could say I was feeling grief for a lost way of life, but honestly, my body was also grieving, and I think it's important to recognize that, that our bodies are animals. They're very sensitive. And we've been living in conditions where the body doesn't feel safe. The body knows that something's up. And even though, even I often in this space will say, this will pass. The body doesn't believe that. Because the body's like a good, sensitive dog. It just senses danger, lack of safety, something's changed. And it produces a feeling of grief. And I think we have an extraordinary opportunity to give kind, non-judging attention to this state that we share. And I can't think of a better opportunity. Here we are, and there's a feeling of grief, great grief. And I could give it all kinds of descriptions, but you sense it too, about our world, about our government, about What's happening? But instead, I wanted to tell you a story that I wrote to some of you who read my little notes, and I'm slowly, I'm learning how to send MailChimp without errors. Um, but on July 4th in 1845, Henry David Thoreau moved to Walden Pond. And for those of you who live across the pond, 
Thoreau might not be quite as well known, but he's a very American and beloved writer. So his, you will see, he moved to Walton Pond and he built a tiny little cabin. I've been in the replica of it, and probably some of you have too. And he moved to a place that one New Yorker critic said was about as off the grid in 1845 as Prospect Park in Brooklyn is today. In other words, it was full of picnickers and people that would go swimming. And he moved to a little pasture of 14 acres owned by his friend and mentor, Emerson. So it wasn't unknown. And he built this little place. And in fact, if you go on the internet, you can get a kit and instructions to build your own little house, just like his, for $1,000. He built his for 28. So he built this little house, and it was one point five miles from his mother's house. A 20-minute walk. Let's get that out of the way. And that was very helpful because she did help with laundry and cooking. So he wasn't completely isolated in the wild. But here is something. Several years before Thoreau's beloved brother had died of tetanus, and he was still very much grieving. And his intention was just the same as if, you know, if you want to impose a need for him to be farther away. And that was an intention that I felt, and I'm guessing that some of you have felt in the space of this long quarantine, which was a wish to get down to essentials, to feel something that might help him. And as he famously put it, he went to the woods so he could front or face the essentials. He wanted to live deliberately. He went to the woods to live deliberately so that when the time came to die, he wouldn't feel like he had never lived. And we're in conditions now. I just want to affirm and support using I statements, if you're thinking about dying, that's completely understandable. If you're thinking about death, a lot. Your own or another beloved, that's completely understandable. If you're thinking about loss and the poignancy of loss, that's also completely appropriate to these circumstances. So Thoreau was feeling these things acutely 
in a Seder morning, and he went to Walden and he built his little cabin. Even to build a cabin, you really do have to live deliberately. He had a workman who helped bring in some supplies, but he built it. And apparently, he would sit in the doorway of his cabin, and he was so quiet that animals would come to him. He had special whistles for different birds that would alight on his shoulder and other animals that would come. And then he would have another whistle that would send them away. And this isn't far-fetched. I've seen this. I've been in the woods with someone who was so used to being in the woods alone that he could summon animals. So it was being still, being very still. And one thing that's touching at Walden when you go there is that there's a great big pile of rocks. And it was explained to me by a, a tour guide that people would come and pay honor to make a pilgrimage to this site. Among them, people from India, because Gandhi had been so inspired by Thoreau's essay on civil disobedience, as had Tolstoy, as had Martin Luther King Jr. We help each other. We help each other. So it dawned on me when I named my grief that I had this rare opportunity to bring a kind of kind attention to my pain that I rarely have an opportunity to do. And I realized that one thing, I've, I've been reflecting on this as I felt it, because I've shared with you that I once had a chance to ask Thich Nhat Hanh why people cling to suffering. And he was interested in that question too. And he said, I think it's because we cling to the strongest thing we feel. And often, just in the space of a day, I can be walking around my lake, not Walden, and go into a loop of a kind of obsessive thinking. Have you ever done that? Have you, anybody here ever obsessed? Yeah. Uh, yes, that's okay. You don't have to raise your hands. Or speak. Yes, yes, it's pretty, yeah. And yeah, so the, I'll take that as a universal. This pain, and we'll be thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. And it's so, it takes the attention. So what could be stronger than that? What could counter that? And it's a kind of attention again and again in this space. We talk about coming back to sensation. 
to being present in the body. Remembering that beautiful gesture of the Buddha reaching down and touching the earth in the face of the anxieties that Mara, the demon, conjured, or the fears, or, or call it what you will, the grief. He touched the earth. We feel our body. We're aware of our thinking. And we feel not just the emotions that catch us in the moment, but sometimes a deeper kind of feeling that's closer to sensation, a feeling of the preciousness of being alive. Uh, or just it could be the breeze suddenly moving or uh, seeing the sky or just an impression of our own body and breath. And we remember, remember sati, the word for mindfulness in Pali means to remember. We remember that we're more than this loop of thinking. We have an opportunity to come home to what's essential. And don't we all have that instinct when we feel pain or grief? I know when I was a little girl, I would want to go away by myself for a time. And even as not a little girl, way beyond that, to be alone. And I've talked about this before, crying, that feeling of peace and tranquility and collectedness that comes in the wake of tears. That is what it feels like to have body, heart, and mind closer together, to be present, to be present and accepting of what is in a new way. So I think, you know, Thoreau went through a period of people just being sick of him. And I know we had a troll on the Parabola Facebook page. And whenever I would quote Thoreau, she would write, Thoreau is a mama's boy. She did his laundry. But I think that there's an enduring value, not just in the great beauty of his observations, but in the story that he gives us of going to the woods. The Buddha also went to the woods to find himself, to find freedom, to find something beyond these thoughts, these conditioned thoughts. And we're living through a time when we must go beyond the old conditioned thoughts and find a new life. 
And when he said something that we are tempted to dismiss as cliche, like marching to the beat of your own drummer, I think he's talking about living from the inside. Not just thinking the culture's thoughts or other people's thoughts, but living in line with your own heartbeat, your own breath, your own life. So take this time, take this precious time that's given to all of us to practice bringing kind attention to your grieving body and heart and mind. To discover that happiness is like the relief we feel after tears. after the fever breaks. So let's take a seat and we'll sit together. And just let your eyes close if you're comfortable with closed eyes. And if you're not, you can just let the gaze be averted on the floor. But it's wonderful if you can close your eyes. And just see how it feels to be here right now. Just noticing without any commentary or striving or judgment. And notice that this attention can begin to soften you. And let everything be exactly as it is. Don't try to change anything. And just meet what comes up, the thoughts, sensations, lack of sensation, with kind, accepting attention.
and you'll see that your attention will be drawn to thoughts. That's perfectly natural. And when that happens, see that you can bring the attention home again to the body and the breath and the sensation of being present, of being here in a body. Notice how the attention begins to open you. You begin to remember that you're more than thinking. Noticing that the stillness isn't silence, it's not resisting, it's softness.
Meditation is a movement of coming home to an attention that isn't thinking, that's embracing. Like the sky. When you go way out, see that you can come home again and be welcomed into the light of an attention that isn't judging or thinking. Home to the sensation of being present.
Noticing that when we come home, we also open to life, to the vibrancy of it. that the stillness is nourishing, alive. Giving us something.
Notice how it feels to be more here. Body, heart, and mind more present. When you fall asleep or start dreaming and thinking, when you get lost, just come home, back to sensation, back to the body. Touching the earth.
notice that as we soften and open and come home to sensation, a presence appears inside and outside. feels to be seen by an attention that's completely accepting, kind,
And I just wanted to say for people who might be doing this for the first time or, you know, for the first few times, um, you, we can't, we're going to mute this, um, we can't do this practice wrong. We can't do this practice wrong. If you're dreaming the whole time or thinking the whole time, you've come for that moment of coming home. This is a practice of moments. We all share the same intention, which is pretty wonderful to recognize, which is to be free from suffering to be free from that piercing loneliness I mentioned or that feeling of grief. And the beauty of this practice, to quote Thoreau again, he famously said, it's not until we're lost that we know ourselves and discover the infinite extent of our relations. In other words, it's that moment. Have you ever had one? I, I have them all the time where you feel like, I can't take this anymore. It's just too sad. I just, I can't stand it another moment. It's, it's too sad. Whoever thought. And it's right at that moment sometimes when I feel the breeze, or this moment, this very brief moment of being present, just being here and available to life. And that's the gift of this thing that we're going through. There is nowhere to go except alive to be alive fully alive, body, heart, and mind, and open to the infinite extent of our relationship to life. And unexpected help can come. It's not out there. Thoreau famously said, I've traveled much in Concord. And we've been traveling much in our respective in Edinburgh, in Manhattan. Nowhere to go. But here, to open. And he really was pretty, I'll just add as a footnote, that there's a place in um, Concord called uh, the Concord Inn. And I had my wedding reception there. And I have to share that I went careening out of that inn, holding a bottle of champagne in a wedding dress and a cake knife in my other hand, looking for Thoreau's grave. And I was a memorable sight, like a ghost. But I found it. He is buried right, right around there. It took a while. 
And in the same way, we can find what we seek. We can find relief and peace and a new vibrancy and sanity and compassion. So thank you for listening to me and sitting with me. And if you have a question, I'd be welcome. I'd welcome to hear it. We'd all like to hear it. Um, yeah, we all are sustained by each other's company. We're Sangha because we share this wish to be free from suffering, to wake up, to have more moments of being more fully present, body, heart, mind, present and open. And we share these wonderful stories that come to us thanks to all the people that work so hard to bring them to us. And um, we share the example of people who are more awake, including today, His Holiness the Dalai Lama turns 85. So we're grateful for his life and his example. And, and we do, the truth is, you know, and we only, I, won't, I will stop here. And so we can experience it in our final five minutes. That we do have the gift of interconnection. The gift of being part of a life that is shot through with wisdom and compassion. Not just bad news. But as Thoreau said at the end of his two years, two months, and two days at Walton Pond, that, or as he wrote, that when you go in the direction of your wish, of your deepest intention, you are met with surprising success. And he didn't mean money. He never made any money. He meant that we are met by a surprising new life. And so let's sit together just for a few moments. And with eyes closed. And just noticing how we feel now. that wish, that little bit of curiosity, whatever you want to call it, that intention, desperation, takes many forms, that feeling that we could live a greater life. 
Let it be present. And offer ourselves the wish, may I be safe. May I be well. May I be free. And we don't keep it just for ourselves. We let it shine out, spill over to embrace our communities, our beloveds, animals and, and people, and plants too, those we love. May we all be safe and well and free. And we let our hearts open still farther, really wide, and embrace our whole countries. May the whole of this country, wherever we are, be safe, free from danger, well, and free. And we let our hearts open completely now, keeping ourselves in our circle. We open our hearts to the entire world. Every country, every part, every being. His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, our beloved dogs and cats, every being. Great and small. Including ourselves, we offer the wish, may we be safe and protected from all harm and danger. May we have all the resources we need, food and shelter and clean water and loved ones. May we be well in body and mind, free from all oppression, every form, all illness, every form. And may we be completely, entirely free. Thank you, my friends. I'm so glad you came and sat with me, with us. And take good, good care of yourselves. And please feel welcome to come back again on Sunday.
or on Wednesday or both times. And take good care. Take good care.